Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in with this week's Led by the Word. We are in 1 Kings chapter 22. And it's funny, I didn't realize last week we were ending with just one chapter left. And this chapter's wild. Uh, there's some stuff that even takes you, some of this stuff that took me all the way into the New Testament. So I, I'm not going to technically speed run this, but we got a lot of ground to cover in just a few chapters. There's just so much to say. Mm-hmm. So King Jehoshaphat and the King of Israel... They're going to form an alliance, we'll call it. So Jehoshaphat says, I think we should reach out to a prophet of God before we go to war with Syria. And the king of Israel says, don't worry, I've got my own prophets. I got someone in the back pocket, don't you worry. So Jehoshaphat says, no, I think we should reach out to Micaiah. And he says, no, don't you worry, everything's covered. So then he's like, I really think we should. And then he says in verse 8 of 1 Kings chapter 22, And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And it reminded me of Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. This guy literally just wants to hear what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. So there's a word specifically for him. And he's like, no, I don't want that. And it gets to the point so much to where he even ordained and placed people in his kingdom that were prophets that just say what he wants to say. He even sends them, so they send for Micaiah to come. Mm-hmm. And they even want them to tell Micaiah, don't say these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's and if you ever notice with some of these prophets, they're like, yeah, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Talk to us a little bit about this guy. Definitely. I mean, I, well, first of all, I was kind of surprised that Jehoshaphat, uh, like you said, king of Judah, was even going together with King Ahab because he was kind of renownedly evil, but I guess maybe it's just a political thing to go against Ramoth. Um, but yeah, before, like, if you guys remember, especially when we were in the Samuels, David would always pretty much inquire of the Lord, hey, do I need to go against battle against this person? Do I need to go against battle against this enemy? You know, whatever. And the Lord would direct him. So this is pretty standard practice. And I don't know if you guys can read between the lines here, but Jehoshaphat is actually on the list of God-fearing kings versus God-angering kings, he's on the God-fearing side. He's a pretty cool dude. Jehoshaphat, good. Yeah, like he followed after his father, Asa, like he's doing the right thing. So he's like, well, let's inquire of the Lord. Like, that's pretty standard procedure. So he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, when Micah said that he had his own prophets, he had about 400 prophets. And- it, you got to keep in mind, his prophets... They're, they're not even what you would just call false prophets. They're just there to say what he wants them to say. Like, and at the end, like, so Jehoshaphat sees through all this. And he's like, uh, I think you said it was in verse Eight. 7. He was like, um, but is there like, he said, and Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides yeah. that we might inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat listened to like basically all these prophets and was like, uh, is there like a legit one somewhere? And so, yeah, I love Ahab's response where he's like, okay, well, there is this one guy, but like, I seriously hate him. Like, that's literally his words. Like, I hate him. Like, he never says anything good about me. It's just the worst. Like, I'm like, what did you... And I love how Jehoshaphat says, oh, that's the one. He's like, go send for him. So they go. And like Micah said, the messenger even told Micaiah. Micaiah. He was like, have you thought about 
saying something good about the king? Like, have you thought? It's actually, I think it's in verse 13. I'm just going to read it really quick. It says, And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spoke unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. And I love Micaiah's reply here in verse 14. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. That just lets you know right now. And then <laughs> it's not going to be good. So um, he, you know, they say, okay, well, tell us a word. So Micaiah's like, yeah, it's fine. Just go up. It's, it's going to be fine. You're going to totes win. So Ahab was like, mm-hmm. I sense sarcasm. He's like, go on. Just say what you're going to say. So he said, listen, if you go against Ramoth, you're going to be killed, you know, um, the people are going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, like sheep, just scattered. Like, it's not going to go well. So I love how the two kings are sitting here, it says, on the throne. And, like, Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and was like, do you see? Do you see what I told you? He only speaks bad. He only speaks bad about me. Um, and so they're like, well, you know. So one of the false prophets, his name is actually listed here. It's Zedekiah. Um, verse 24, I believe it is. He comes up to Micaiah and smacks him in the face. He's like, why are you saying this about me? Why are you saying this about Ahab? Like, whoa, like, it literally says he smote him on the cheek. Like, that's a smack in the face. And Micaiah's like, <laughs> so Ahab actually has him thrown in prison and is like, you know, give him the bread and water affliction until I return in peace. This man, he's not done yet. In verse 28, it says, and Micaiah said, if thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, hearken, O people, every one of you. So the man is literally about to be dragged to prison. He's like, yeah, buddy, you are not coming back. Like, it's amazing. And so we see this man, and we're kind of like, it's funny, and it's also encouraging that he spoke the truth in the face of 400 people, plus the king of Israel, Ahab, not a great guy, and still spoke the words of the Lord. And I think sometimes a lot of people have that get you told kind of vibe, so that might resonate with them, especially when King Ahab was doing everything wrong. And, you know, but something I admire about Micaiah is he wasn't at King Ahab's palace um, just repeatedly yelling, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. He only spoke the Lord's truth, not his truth, not his opinions. He spoke the Lord's truth when he was asked. So I think there's that balance, that temperament, and he shows us, like, hey, you have to speak the truth. And, you know, the New Testament says speak the truth with love. I don't think Micaiah was even malicious here. I think he was just, he knew how it was going to go down. But I admire that he did speak the truth in the face of adversity, in the face of unpopular opinion. But he did so only when required. He wasn't seeking out a fight. He wasn't going on Facebook, stirring the pot, knowing he could, you know, mm -hmm. get a rise out of someone and feel like a martyr. No, like he was only obeying the voice of the Lord. I thought that was pretty cool. And you know, he doesn't just say simply, uh, you're going to lose. He has this whole word for him in verse 17. He's like, Israel is like a, a bunch of hills with a bunch of cattle, and they're scattered. There's no leader. So he goes through his word, and then I love in verse 18, <laughs> the king looks over at mm -hmm. Jehoshaphat and says, Did I not tell you that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? I warned you about this. I knew this was going to happen. And I don't know. I, I could literally just see this playing out. You know, I haven't started the show, The Chosen. I've got it. I'm going to start it very soon. I can't wait to go through it. we got the baby on the way, and mm -hmm. that's on my to-watch list. I want them to do this. Definitely. I would love to see Elijah play through to Elisha. And one thing we can't forget. So, Micaiah is never talked about, like, in churches. He's not a big name. Right. Like, you're not going to hear Micaiah, you know, on the Sunday school poster for the kids. Like, you're going to see Elijah going away. Elijah's in a cave at one point. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. 
There was a Vakaya. Yeah. God told him that there was however many more. It was a lot. Yeah, there's a remnant. Yeah. But there's there's a Vakai here. Yeah. And we see him doing God's work and we see him being just as smart aleck as Elijah. And it was it is kind of confusing with the whole kings and you know, um, first second kings and things seem kind of out of order. But Elijah is alive during this time. Oh yeah. He's we, still working. We're um we're left. Like, you know how Elijah just comes into the story, he's like, boom, there's Elijah. Right. It's like right here, Elijah just left the story. <laughs> I was reading, I was like, no, wait a second. Am I in the wrong spot? Am I, because I went back and I was like, no, no, I'm not in the wrong spot. I know we had the holidays and we didn't record last week. So I was going through this and I was like, now let me find Elijah. We get through this. Let's go over. Now we're going to jump into 2 Kings chapter 1. Boom. We're going straight into Elijah. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, Ahab did die in that battle. Oh, yes. (laughs) Now his son is taking over. (laughs) So the son uh, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So this guy has this upper room and lattice. You guys know what lattice is. So he's in his upper room and he steps out and he falls through his lattice. It's literally how our story opens. It's how the book opens. First uh, Kings and Second Kings and First, Second and Second Samuel. I want you guys to remember it was written as a book. Yes. Wonderful. So this all really flows. It's not like I've got to give you all new information about Second Kings like I love to do with a book of the Bible. We're just going straight into the story. So he gets up there and he falls through and he gets a messenger and he's bedridden. And he's like, I'm probably going to die. A lot of fears overcoming this mm-hmm. man. So he says, I need you to go. Let me get this. I need you to go to the God Baal of Zebub. And it says, I want you to get a word from me. Am I going to get out of this bed? So the messenger is like, okay. So the messenger just takes off. He's got this king's word. I'm going to go as fast as I can. Elijah, minding his own business, doing his own thing, an angel appears. And an angel says, there's going to be a messenger, and he's going to go get a word from this false god. And I want you to meet this messenger and tell him, that king is going to die. Mm-hmm. So Elijah's like, you, <laughs> such a horrible message. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Elijah goes to him, and I'm going to read this to you. Um, let me find this. I'm sorry, I'm moving slow today. Okay. Did you reach out to ba- Beelzebub? Because there was no God in Israel. Mm-hmm. And that broke my heart. He, he's telling him this, and I want you all to understand this. It rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on the rich, on the poor. Bad things can happen to any one of us in life. And the reason this dude was reaching out to Baal is because he couldn't reach out to God. Mm-hmm. And how sad is that? There's people in the world right now looking for something to satisfy because they can't reach out to God. And I, I want to encourage you, and I want to get you praying, and I want to get you thinking, I want to have God accessible at all times. I want to surround myself with God. I want to surround myself with people that love God. I want to surround myself with His presence. There is no need for me to a God that's given me grace from sin, a God that's given me access to His presence, a God that's given me uh, escape from the eternity I deserve, for us to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And there's people out there that refuse our God. There's people out there that don't want our God. We know better. So we, we need to keep access to him. And this guy, just following his father's footsteps, doing the same old thing, following the same old choices, he didn't have access to God. And he, he tells him that, did you reach out to Beelzebub because there was no God in Israel? Mm-hmm. And with Elijah, does the full capital God instead of the lowercase God. And he's telling him, you've messed up, man. And you are surely going to die in that bed. And of course, he surely dies in that bed. So he, the messenger comes to the king. 
tells the king this word, and the king's like, okay, okay, wait a second. What did he look like? <laughs> right. He said, who is the this guy? The king's like, wait, we, it's weird enough that he met a messenger with no one telling nothing. What did he look like? And the king, my opinion, the king was like, that was Elijah. Yeah, maybe. king was like, oh, my goodness, it's Elijah. So he says, um, what kind of man was it who come up to meet you and told you these words? So they answered him and said, a hairy man wearing a leather belt about his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Mm -hmm. And he knew it. He's like, ah. And he, there's a certain level of respect for Elijah. There's a certain level of understanding this dude's done some crazy stuff that's been unbelievably true by God. We talked about this last week that you watched. Elijah, the fire on the mount, mm -hmm. unbelievable story. And it reminds me, uh, if you go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, when John comes up, big old hairy guy, they said, are you Elijah? Mm -hmm. Elijah literally for a thousand years was known as the hairy man. With the belt. And that's amazing that when John comes up, they're like, wait a second. This is this is that guy. And, you know, we're talking uh, thousands of years later. So we're, we're getting to the parts where uh, Elijah ascends. But before that, Elijah, he goes back and he's sitting on this huge hill. This is how I'm envisioning they're saying. They're looking up to him on a hill. And the king says, I'm going to take my best captain and 50 by 50 men. I don't fully understand what 50 by 50 men yeah, means. I've, I've read is it that like 100 men? It just says him a captain of 50 with his 50. So it's like, is it the captain and then 50 dudes underneath him? I'm, and I then think, another yes. 50 men? I don't. I read one cap, a commentary said it was 50 captains with 50 men. So it was 50. I don't know. But it's okay. a captain. I, someone in the comments let me know. <laughs> it, it messed me up a little bit. So I'm just going to say captain and 50 men were sent up there. And he yells down to Elijah and says, you got to come with me. The king wants you responsible for what you've done. Mm -hmm. And Elijah says, if I be of God, let y'all be burned. <laughs> and fire falls from heaven and melts them. Just, I think the actual terminology is scorched them or yeah. burn them. So king hears this. King's dumb enough to say, I'll send another captain. I'll send another 50. Well, what's the odds it's going to happen twice? What's right? the odds it's going to happen? <laughs> so then the second time we get exclamation points. A bunch. So the second captain is even angrier and meaner. Now keep in mind, this is the same hill. Keep in mind, when this captain's yelling, he's looking at the burnt, crisp bodies. Yeah, so they were consumed. So whatever was left of that mess was... He's looking at the burnt ground. He's looking at the scorching. And he's looking up at Elijah and he's screaming at this point. Instead of saying, would you come down? Mm -hmm. He says, you come down now. Get to my king. Saying, if, if I be of God, let you be scorched by fire. So then he says, we'll try a third captain. Third time. This will work. Yeah. Third captain runs up to him, falls upon his face at his feet, mm -hmm. bawling. He says, please, please come with me. Elijah, please. I beg of you. I Go ahead. Well, I mean, he said, please let my life be precious. Okay, please, please let my life be precious. I admire the humble spirit. You know, that man learned. He's like, I do not want to die. He saw day. scorch one. And you know, they didn't walk through the scorch. They come around on the grass. There ain't no way they're walking amongst their dead men. Then he saw scorch two. And he says, I'm the third guy. This is dumb. This is absolutely foolish. So he falls down and an angel meets with Elijah and says, you're going to be fine. Go with this man. Talk to us a little bit about here. I, I, it amazes me that per, the way we act to people matters. Even this sinful man, when he changed his actions, how it mattered. Well, I mean, it would just really stink to be those people working for Isaiah, or excuse me, how do you pronounce his name? Azia, um, the king. Because, yeah, the one time the company gets burned up, it's like, okay, 
Let me send another one. And they get burned up. Let me send a third one. Yeah, by the time you're that third guy, you're like, uh, hello? It's not like you can disobey your king, but at the same time, it's like, are you kidding me? And I love the humbleness that he approaches Elijah with, you know, and he's like, let my life and the life of these 50, thy servants, be precious in thy sight. And that's verse 13 of chapter 1, 2 Kings. So it is reference. just 50. Well, at least by the third time. At least by the third time. So... Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, you know, you can go with him. Don't be afraid. You can go to the king. So they, I love also how when Elijah intercepts the messengers on the way to Belzeb, um, he, when they return, the king is like, why are you here so fast? You know, like you should be gone still. Like, how did you turn around? And so they explained, you know, of course, you know, Elijah met them basically. And that's where all this starts. And he actually reiterates that point in verse 16. He said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? What, therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, thou shalt surely die. And I feel like it's so sad, all this run around, you know. I feel like he was the king was probably in denial at this point. You know, because people got better multiple times in the Bible, but I love how, you know, I, you're right. He probably had the premonition it was Elijah that stopped his messengers. And then he's like, oh gosh, maybe it won't be. Well, maybe it won't be. And he's please like, please oh, it's Elijah. So then he realized it was Elijah. And then he's like, let's go get him. He brings him to him. And just honestly, it confirms this word that he should die. And literally the next verse, verse 17, it says, so he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. And you see this in both instances with both prophets that we covered in the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. Once the Lord has spoken the word, it's spoken. Like, we're here. Like, it's not a popular word. It's not a great word for these kings that were evil. It's the word, and it came to pass. And I think that's why he was so adamant about, let's confirm this. Let's confirm this. Let's confirm it's Elijah. Because he knew Elijah did not play around. You know, he already had this reputation that kind of preceded him of, this man speaks an unpopular word. I find it interesting the parallels there between mm -hmm. two stories that may not seem very similar at first, but have similar themes and have, honestly, the theme of obedient servants. It's very surprising. Uh, you, know, you know the whole thing of Elijah here, and something, I, I don't know exactly timeline here, but he tells him you're going to die in your bed. Mm -hmm. And it says, that's true. So when I first read verse 17, I was like, oh, he died instantly. But if you read verse 17, uh, 18, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Isaiah, which he did, mm -hmm. are not written in the book of Chronicles. I think he reigned a while, but I think he was in his bed. Mm. Well, it said he never got up. So. He never got up. So I think he died in the bed, but he had a terrible life. And, you know, I, like Jesse said earlier, a lot of people repent, a lot of people change, a lot of people heal. I think he could have. Mm. I think he could have changed, but he was so firm. When this dude's dying on his bed, his instinct is, I want to be the one that kills the prophet of God. Right. The same one that I heard the story about, or he may have been there, where he scorched the mountain. Like, and something else, this isn't me talking spiritual or something. There is a lot of fire in Elijah. Right. Fire, 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 fire. Like, we're, we're going into chapter two now. Um, this is the ascending to heaven. Mm-hmm. And it's fire. <laughs> yeah, there's a reoccurring theme going it's, on It's here. a lot of fire going on. So we, we get Elisha, and something I didn't realize, Elisha travels with 70 men. Mm. Uh, so Elijah and him, they have that conversation, and he says, what would you like? And he says, "I, if you could have anything, Elisha, he says, I want a double portion. And Elijah was like, well, that's too difficult. That's very difficult. That's a hard thing you ask. That's a hard yeah. thing. 
I love how he said, you ask anything. <laughs> yes, what do you think his like preconceived notion was that Elisha was going to ask of him? Like you know. Oh, it 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 reminds me. It's like Kara, you've done so well. You could have anything, and I'm expecting a twenty five cent bouncy ball. And she's like, I need the Jeep Power Wheel, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I need to rephrase my words better. I feel like that's what Elijah was saying. So Elijah put stipulations. Probably. If you see when I go up, and you see it, you can have that. Right. So, of course, we see this, and he picks up his mantle, and he wraps the mantle back on. So he comes back, and he ascends up into uh, the heavens. He mm-hmm. goes up to the sky. So the men are like, well, where'd he go? So Elisha's yeah. like, oh, he went up. And they're like, well, did you see him die? And he's like, no. And then they're like, well, he's probably on a mountain or a valley. Right, like tornado style, I guess. Yeah, and Elisha's like, no, he's not. He ascended. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send some men to go find him. And Elisha says, no, you're not. He's gone. Breakfast on this, when Elijah goes over, he takes his uh, uh, mantle mm-hmm. and he smacks the water and it splits so they can walk across just for comfort. There's no big reason to this. There's no, it's just a comfort situation. <laughs> so when Elisha comes back, Elisha holds that mantle and says, if you be his God mm-hmm. and you be now my God, split this. So he does it. So the people saw the water split and they saw him walk across, mm-hmm. but they're still like, and he tells him, he says, he's ascended and I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we should go. Elisha says, don't go looking. And they go looking. Yeah, they bullied him into this. So I love it. They come back. They're like, Elisha, we didn't find him. And Elisha's like, of course. Yeah, it's almost a little sarcastic the way he answers them. It's like. Um, it's, I didn't put the note of what verse it it's was. It's verse 18. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, go not? Like, that's KJV for, told you not to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we have the reigning now new prophet Elisha. And honestly, my heart really goes out for Elisha because he cries out after Elijah is ascending to heaven. They're literally talking and this like chariot of fire comes up and it's like he lost his father figure. And my heart does burn for like he's already like, okay, well, now I have to be the leader, you know. So your your, like dad figure's gone, your mentor's gone, the person that raised you, you know, into Christ and everything is gone. And now we're here, and he's he's out here, all, and the men are already persisting, like, hey, let's do this, let's do this. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, already he's met with some, like, not opposition, but, you know, like, challenging. Resistance. Yeah, and I just feel really bad for him. I just want to be like, oh, my well, one thing, One thing I got to say is they waited on one side of the river. I think one of the splittings of the river was to keep them away. Mm. They And it says, and then they walked further after he asked that of right. Elijah for the dual portion. They walked far enough where the men didn't see the fiery horses right so my guess like if you look at the flattish land there if you think of it it's kind of like tennessee with a little bit of hills Mm -hmm. it probably was miles yeah so they walked and conversed and you think and then boom elijah's getting taken away in conversation right poor elijah that was tough but one thing i am i want to do this this seems to be the coolest thing ever they come to it and they're like, okay, Elisha, this place is barren. Mm-hmm. The water is not. The ground, it can't grow nothing. So Elisha says, go get me a, I think he said a jar of salt. Mm-hmm. So they bring him a jar of salt. He throws it in the spring and he says, let the water be uh, pure and the ground be plentiful. This is what's so amazing. This is two miles from Tel uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. To this day, you can go to the spring. It's called Elisha's Spring, and they say it's uh, rated the purest water on planet Earth. That is amazing. Here's what really blows my mind. There's no huge crowds. 
People come by once a week that live locally and they get jars or bottles. They fill it up. It constantly pours out. And it says, and it is still pure in the Bible. Today, people are still drinking from this spring. And there's a little sign above it in, I guess it's Hebrew, but it says Elisha's spring hmm. and made clean by God. And oh, in a desert, the spring is covered with these beautiful palm trees. It's literally, it looks like an oasis. <laughs> I feel as oasis ministries, like this is the spring that I want to see. This is just amazing. I love how you're autom automatically already seeing miracles. Like you referenced the splitting of the water by Elisha. Like Elijah yeah. split it to get across. And then Elisha said, you know, if you be the God of Elijah, you know, basically in me, let's go, let's do this. And he splits. Immediately we're seeing miraculous powers. And it's so, I would really encourage you to do a deep dive <clears throat> in between where we're reading into like the Kings and Samuels because you miss so many things. You know, Sunday school hits the highlights normally, like for kids, like five to 10. But like when you think of the splitting of waters, you think of Moses, right? But there's so many other times that that happens. And I remember when I read through the Bible last year, I was like, wait, what? Like it, it just keeps happening. All these miracles and all this like Old Testament miraculous stuff. It's really, really interesting. So we're going to put this on the screen right now. I'm going to send this to Mitchell and you guys just look at this for a moment, but I'm going to show Jesse. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. looks yeah. the same today as it did then. They said, uh, they've just had to replace things that broke over time. Sure. But this spring that you're seeing right now, that's the one that he took his jar of salt and was like, yeah, that's amazing. I think that's the coolest thing. Coming to a close, please take a moment to like this and share this. Um, 2023, our push right now at the beginning of the year is Bible course. If you have not taken the Bible course, please do. We're, we're going to put some data out soon of how much reading the Bible changes a person's life. And it literally changes attributes of who we are. Mm -hmm. the, uh, one of the numbers I remember is 68% less likely to battle depression and loneliness. And if you think of that, just by reading the Word of God, four days a week, 15 minutes a day, how that will affect you. So we don't just do this because it's fun. We don't just do this because it's religion. We do this because we know it's life-changing, and this is what we need. This is our instruction. This is our guidance. So I challenge you, write in your book, in your New Year's resolution, I'm going to read the Word of God. Mm -hmm. I want to study more. And if you have any discouragement in that, the enemy hates the thought of you reading the Word, get the Bible course. It puts you on a schedule. It puts you on a pattern, and it'll build it into your life. Thank you so much. Please like this and share this. God bless you. God bless you.